Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Hope y'all having a great Saturday. Whenever you're watching this video, I hope you're having an amazing day. Uh, for those who's new, this is my wholeness journey course. It's a course designed to help you process your wholeness to see if you're ready to properly hold the things you desire or to assess how you're currently holding the things in your life. So after watching this video, you're like, man, I like this guy's vibe. Subscribe. Also, make sure you register for my course online. Those links in the description box below. But for those who's been rocking me for a long time, whether you've been uh, subscribed for 14 years, or 14 minutes ago, I want to say thank you so much for joining and also being a part of this course here. But as everyone is coming in live, let me know where you're watching from, what city, what state, what country, all that good stuff. I would love um, to see where you guys are watching from. And also make sure you hit the course link so that you can go ahead and get today's worksheet as well because I have some activities that I think will help you all. But as everyone is coming in live, let me go ahead and just kind of do a little things um, to kind of uh, share what the course was birthed out of. This course was birthed out of my eighth book, The Holdness Journal. This journal is designed to help you um, to assess your wholeness. And it talks about uh, you assessing your family tree, assessing your current season. Uh, there's a lot of things in there in regards to assessing your, your walk with God, assessing how you deal with people, relationships, and friendships. All great materials in that book. And this was sparked this course, the wholeness journey. So after you watch this video, like, man, I want some more resources that I think will help me on this journey. Make sure you go ahead and get the wholeness journal. And we also have merch as well. So check out our merch. Link this in the description box below. We also got card games as well. So all those materials are available now on my website, IamUnplugged.com. But I got some people coming in. Let's see what's going on. Uh, yo, Soy Nikki, greetings from Toronto. Thank you for watching from Toronto. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Yvette Kelly, good morning to you too. Vanessa, hey, from Montreal. We got Canada real strong in the building. Oh, man, I need to put your names up. Yvette, thank you for joining me. Vanessa, thank you for joining me from Montreal. Thank you all. But let's go ahead and get our notes up because we got a lot of points to cover uh, with a short amount of time. But our main verse for today's, uh, I wouldn't even say today's uh, lecture, but phase one of the wholeness journey course is James 1, 2 through 3. The word of God says, count it all joy, my brothers or sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. For those who are just now joining our course, we're in the complete phase. We're in the complete section of this verse. We talked about what it means to be whole or perfect. Now we're talking about what it means to be complete. And we all say in the point underneath, it says each underlying category must be obtained and sustained to hold anything. It's an everyday and every moment reliance on the supply of the Holy Spirit. So you'll hear that theme as we discuss. We have some new people coming in. Small feet watching from Zimbabwe. Thank you. We international this morning and <laughs> this afternoon. Thank you so much for watching. Celeste, thank you for watching as well. Good morning to you too. <clears throat> let's get right to our next slide. Now let's get to some more points here. Now, uh, recap real quick. I'll make the screen bigger for you all to read. The problem that we discussed last week is that many people are trying to compete against their demonic opposition and complete important things without being first completed enough in Christ to do so at a high level. They are working for completion and not from completion. We talked about how because of the finished work of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross for us, now we're working from completion. We're working from wholeness. We're working um, from um, our, our wholeness in God and not looking to be complete. And we talked about how so many people are looking for their relationships to complete them. 
They are looking for money to complete them. They are looking for success to complete them. And we talked about how when you begin to look for these things for completion, you will end up continuously falling into deeper depths of depletion. You will find yourself uh, empty and void continuously. So our goal as believers is to work from completion. We talked about there are a lot of people that are unable to compete against demonic spirit, demonic spirits. They're unable to compete at a high level against demonic opposition, or they're unable um, to complete the assignments God wants them to complete because they're not first completed in him. And it's essential that we understand the beauty of the finished work of Jesus. So for all of those materials, Make sure you check out part two, which is available now on YouTube. We also got someone watching from Lebanon. Thank you so much, Ellie, from watching from Lebanon. We're glad to have you. Let's get back to some more points. We also talked about we must stay in the completed work of Christ and sustain its completion to complete or compete at a high level. We also said it is going to be hard to compete and to complete in this demonic world if we haven't been completed or if we don't sustain completeness. Let's keep going. Because it's finished, we can finish. I'm just recapping real quickly. Next point. We have assignments to complete. The Christians and the church were designed to be unmatched opponents of the enemy. We are the innovators and the creators of the world. The Bible says we are the salt and the light. Without us, nothing can be preserved. Because of the compromising nature and culture of our world today amongst Christians, our, our families are not being preserved. Our church is not being preserved. Our neighborhoods are not being preserved. The most valuable things of life are not being preserved. That is designed by the enemy. The enemy knows that when a believer has lost his saltiness, the word of God says they're only good for to be trampled upon. And if you look at a lot of Christian sectors in, in this Christian culture, they're being trampled upon. There's certain regions in our world where Christianity is being trampled. Christianity is being taken advantage of. Christians are being uh, manipulated, confused, and then misused because they don't know their proper use. We were meant to preserve the Christian values, the Christian standards, the Christian principles are preservatives. They preserve families. They preserve communities. They preserve culture. But when the Christian begins to compromise and become lukewarm, they no longer have the ability to preserve. That's why we're supposed to be unmatched. We are Christ in this world. We are the ones that should be walking in our authority. I was talking to my mom, mother-in-law, uh, yesterday. Well, I don't even like to say mother-in-law, but my mom. We was talking about how a lot of believers are asking God for things versus walking in the authority of God and how we're supposed to be casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. Jesus even said that we were supposed to be doing greater works. It's because we're still depleted and not completed in him. And we're not walking in an authority. We're not walking in the dominion. We're not taking back our families. We're not taking back our children. We're not taking back our communities. And you can be diplomatic with it. You can be political with it. But we're forgetting that we're supposed to be spiritual with it. That things do not change in the natural realm first. They change in the spiritual world. And if we get so caught up in being compromised in this natural world and not executing our authority in the spiritual world, we'll find ourselves not preserving the key important things on this earth. We as believers are supposed to be unmatched. We're supposed to be focusing on our kingdom assignment. We're supposed to be focusing on what it means to be held so that we can hold. And that's our responsibility to pursue it wholeheartedly. 
So we talked about that believers are supposed to be an unmatched opponent, an unmatched opponent of the enemy. We are the innovators and the true creators of the world. Let's keep going. Now let's get into some more points here on completeness. We're going to be talking about the four areas that requires or require complete, complete maturity, complete Maturity. I notice the words are small, so we'll make the screen big for you all. Y'all, y'all says, oh, oh, this is live. I thought it was a rerun. Good morning, you all. We're glad to have you, y'all, y'all. We're glad to have you. This is live. You in the mix with Coach. Now, let's get right. Com get right back to it. Completeness is the fruit of understanding and changing accordingly. When someone is complete, it is the fruit of first having understanding. Because I understand and I change according to what I'm understanding, now I can actually obtain and sustain completeness, right? So in order for me to sustain completeness as a man to ensure that my wife is never depleted because I'm not sustaining completion, then I first have to come into full understanding. Maturity is coming into full understanding and changing accordingly. Meaning that when I first understand that it's not right for a man to live this way or think this way or speak this way, and I begin to see the reasoning behind it, and I begin to understand um, the importance of understanding it, and then I change my life according to it, then I will find myself having the fruits of completeness. Now I will find myself mature. Now I will find myself ready. When you look at uh, elementary school, the reason why they bring children through multiplication first, because the different levels of mathematics going all the way to calculus requires there to be a full understanding of multiplication tables. And if I don't complete my understanding of two times two, three times three, four times four, five times five, et cetera, et cetera, then how will I be able to, uh, to operate and execute in the greater dimensions of mathematics, right? If I don't understand the, the foundations of a thing, how can I begin to lay on top of that thing, right? And so when we come as men and women, we have to fully understand what are the foundational principles of manhood? What are the foundational principles of womanhood? What are the foundational principles of marriage? What are the foundational principles of parenting? What are the foundational principles of living? That's why God gave us a living document so that we can live according to, so that we can sustain the life and the abundant life that Christ gives, right? But until I understand the foundational principles, I cannot build upon that. That's why we have to complete a level. In order for me to graduate to the next level, I got to complete a level, right? But unfortunately, we live in this compromised state. We don't understand the, 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 the state of life that we need to be in. Therefore, we put too much on our plate and we're unable to have the uh, uh, or become the person that we need to be, right? So let's get the screen back up. So completeness is the fruit of understanding and changing accordingly. Next point, completeness equals maturity. Completeness equals maturity. And as you watch today, man, feel free to share this video to people that you think will benefit from it. And um, and and, and let's let's dive a little bit deeper now. Emotional and mental completeness. Let's look at the definition. The definition of the two. I had to combine them. Uh, but the definition of the two is the natural or a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relation with others. Now. Now, what does that mean? 
Let me read it again. It says a natural instinctive state of mind. So uh, uh, emotional or uh, emotional maturity or whatever. Oh, no, that's, that's different. That's the definition of, of, of um, emotions and the mind or whatever. It's a natural instinctive state of mind or emotions. This emotion definition deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with us. So meaning my emotional state derives from how I think, feel, or perceive my current circumstances, right? Uh, my mood and my relationship. See, God doesn't want us to be easily triggered. In order for us to triumph, we must not be easily triggered. The issue is we're easily triggered and we're triggered by most things. Therefore, we are kept away from triumph, triumphing and succeeding or obtaining the treasures that God wants us to steward. So I have to make sure that I'm currently living in a mature state, that I'm living in a mature mental and emotional state, meaning right now I live in the state of North Carolina. I do not live in Indiana. I do not live in Arkansas. I don't live in Florida. People may purchase from other states. People may engage with me from Florida, from Lebanon, from Zimbabwe, from Montreal, or from Toronto, they may be engaged, or Long Beach, we got Joanne from Long Beach, right? They may be engaging with me from these different states, right? But my state, and we got uh, Nambia in the building. Thank you for watching. We got Nambia. So they're watching from Nambia. They're watching from Long Beach and Canada, etc. right? But I live, I am, I am projecting, I am delivering, I am giving his life from the state of North Carolina. <clears throat> and the things about states, states have different capitals, states have different uh, uh, regions, states have different um, uh, uh, policies, laws, etc. Countries have different laws and whatever. So depending on what state I am in, I have to live according to the rules and the governings of that state, right? South Carolina has their views on certain things. North Carolina has a view on certain things. So the state that I'm in, affects the way I live. The same is metaphorically when it comes to the state of your life. Where are you presently mentally and emotionally? Where are you right now? Are you in the state of mental maturity? Are you living in the state of uh, 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 emotional maturity? Or are you living in a state far off of spirit, of mental and emotional immaturity, right? So we have to understand that it is the natural instinctive state. Now, let's get more spiritual. Let's get more specific. What state of mind do you live in? Do you live in a state of the Christ mind or you live in continuously in a state of the corrupt mind? The mind that's continuously corrupting or the mind that's continuously being developed in the things of God? Because when you have the Christ mind or you live in a Christ state or you live in the spiritual maturity state, or you live in a God state, let's make it more plain, then when circumstances come or when moves try to swing in or things are altered in your relationship with yourself in relation with others, you won't be emotionally triggered easily. Now, you may be, you may feel an emotion, which is important. The word of God says, be angry, but sin not. You can also use some other emotions there. Be sad, but sin not. What is What births out of anger turning into sin? 
what births after sadness. God doesn't mind us being sad. He cares about how long we're sad. God can care less about how angry we become. He compares, he cares about the fruit of that anger. God never intended for sadness to turn into depression. He never uh, 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 designed us to be angry and then want to become violent, right? But when we have the Christ mind and we have the right perspectives and we see things in according to the word of God, then when things try to swing in mood wise or relations begin to be or whatever, whatever, or circumstances change, we know the person that stays the same. Therefore, we can stay the same or change for the better. Right. So that's the importance of of what state you live in. Are you living in the state? Like a like like California or New York or whatever, or are you living in states where you said whatever? You know what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to get whatever with that, but that's what the definition is. Now, emotional maturity. Let's look at it. Emotional maturity is when someone can manage their emotions no matter their circumstances. That's powerful. Emotional maturity is when someone can manage their emotions no matter the circumstances. It says here, it becomes easier to manage your feelings when you allow the Holy Spirit to mold, mature, and manage your heart. That's important for us to understand, right? It says uh, emotional maturity is when someone can manage their emotions. So when when emotions emerges, maturity says, I manage them because I am fully aware of the the ramifications or the repercussions or the returns on uncontrolled or unmanaged emotions. So those who are emotionally mature is when they can manage their emotions no matter circumstance. So no matter what changes, they roll with the punches. One thing about life, life will throw punches and you got to learn how to roll with them, right? Because when you're not emotionally mature, what effect does it have on your husband? What effect will it have on your future husband? What effect will it have on what effect does your emotional maturity have on your wife right now, on your children right now, on your job right now, or the things you desire to hold? And if circumstances change, because one thing about marriage, circumstances change. One thing that I had to learn about in my marriage, I had to learn uh, or I had to be okay with being inconvenienced. See, in singleness, you have a little bit more control on your day-to-day activity. But when you're married, you're one flesh with the other. And the needs, desires of the other determines how you move. And you have to be okay with being inconvenienced. You have to be okay that no matter what the circumstances are, you roll with the punches to the best of your ability if compromise is not, is not discussed. Right? But you can't be disgusted if you haven't first discussed it. Right. You got to be in a place where you communicate and understand the other individual so that you won't always find yourself disgusted with them, disgusted with circumstances. But you've discussed how y'all going to maneuver when circumstances change, when the gust of winds come and change the plans of your life. Right. So that's what emotional maturity is. It says when emotions rise, no matter what may trigger me, whether child, whether spouse, whether co-worker, whether boss. I know in whom I'm working for and who I'm living for and who I'm being held accountable by. Therefore, I know how to go through the by and by, right? And it becomes easier to manage. Let's make it bigger for you. It becomes easier to manage your feelings when you allow the Holy Spirit to, number one, mold, 
mature and manage your heart. And this is just another uh these phase one. It's just me really just um giving introductory points. We'll be going deeper in a lot of these points. Uh next point, peace, peace through perspective and promise is how Jesus completes our emotions. Peace through perspective. Now, what does that mean? He is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace helps us shod our shoes with the preparation of peace, which then helps us live peaceably among all men. When we allow the peace of God to surpass all of our understandings, it then will guard our heart and mind by who? Jesus, right? So when we understand his presence, which then produces peace, because we know he's present with us and we allow that peace to give us the, the, the opportunity to shape and shift our perspectives, our perspectives on marriage, our perspectives on parenting, our perspectives of, of purpose and business and entrepreneurship, right? Then, and with the promise that there are promises with perspectives, there are promises with changed perspectives, there's promises with changed patterns. If I live peaceably, if I make living peaceable with all men a pattern of my life, there is a promise. If I if, if I live according to the principles of God, there are attached promises to it. And there are even certain things that even if people in the world adopt the principles of the Bible, they receive those promises of the Bible because their principles are universal. Right. So when I have the presence of God in my life, which then produces the culture or the climate of peace around my life, which then helps me shift my perspective and give me poise. And then I understand that with these practices and patterns of life, there's a promise with it. My emotions are secure. Let's get to mental maturity. Mental maturity is having the ability to properly process, process situations circumstances and problems without triggering negative emotions and actions is having the ability not to dwell on or waste mental energy on non-important things my bad for the typo right so it says that mental maturity is having the ability that means i have the ability i have the stamina i have the resolve i have the understanding to properly process situations, circumstances, and problems. So when problems, situations, circumstances come your way, you're able to process them the right way, right? You're not allowing it to trigger. You, We got to get to a place where we don't allow um, circumstances, problems, or situations to trigger us mentally because our mind and our emotions are attached. That's in our soulish realm. Our soul encompasses our thoughts, our memories, our emotions, our ideas, our perspectives, our knowledge. Our soul harbors all of those different things. <clears throat> our will and desires, our soul harbors those different things. And if each of those areas are not renewed and occupied fully by the Holy Spirit, to the point to where you're you're understanding your thoughts differently, your memories are no longer haunting you, they're just a reference point, and you're creating better memory, memories because you have better movements, right? You got God-centered ideas, your knowledge is, is broad, but rooted in the wisdom of God, right? Your perspectives have changed, right? <clears throat> and your opinions have changed, right? Those things are essential. So when those things are being renewed, 
then it's hard to trigger negative emotions, negative actions, because your soul is rooted and is anchored. Another definition or of mental maturity is having the ability not to dwell on or waste mental energy on non-important things. That's very important. I have to guard my mental energy. I just can't allow my mind to, 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 to dwell on things over a period of time, causing me to be blind to the things that requires my time and energy, right? But so many of us, we overthink. We overthink because we don't know what it means to think on things that are above. We're so used to thinking on things around us or under us than we are thinking about things that are above. Purpose, vision, God, thinking on things that are above, lovely, good report, thinking, making it a habit. So when I think on those different things, when circumstances come and change, I don't have twi- I don't have time to dwell. I gotta get back to, I gotta stay a husband. I gotta stay focused. I can't allow my faith to be wavered because I got a wife that I'm leading. I'm gonna have children I'm gonna be birthing, not me, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Wife gonna be birthing, right? <clears throat> so I don't have time to dwell on or to give mental energy on things that's not going to produce family synergy. It's not going to develop creative synergy. It's not going to create nothing that's going to produce anything for me eventually. So we got it. We're going to talk more about overthinking down the road because we got a long course ahead of us, right? But we have to understand that we got to, it's our decision on what we choose to think on or dwell on, right? So we cannot allow ourselves to overthink. We have to appropriately think. Think of things that are appropriate, that are beneficial, right? So it's having the ability to not to dwell on. I don't have time to dwell on this. I got to get back to the money. I got to get back to the ministry. I got to get it back to the marriage, right? Not necessarily in that order. I got to get back to my mess. Let's flip it. I got to get back to the master. I got to get back to my myself. I got to get back to the ministry. Now, hold on. <clears throat> I got to get back to the master. I got to get back to myself. I got to get back to my marriage. I got to get back to my ministry. I got to get back to the money. I got to get back to the mastery. I got to get back to the master, man. I I don't got time to give my mental energy. I got to get back to the master. Master, what do you have for me to do today? I can't worry about what other people thinking. I I can't worry about thinking on things. I got to get back to the master. Father, what do you have me to do today? For you made this day for me to rejoice and be glad in it. So I'm going to enjoy it, God. I got to get back to myself. I got to get back to personal development. How can I be how can I be good to God, good to my wife, good to you all, good to 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 people that I'm involved with however, if I'm not good to myself. I got to get back to myself. I don't got time to think about others and what they think. I can't I don't got time to think on on whatever it is. I got to get back to myself so I can get back to my marriage. I got to get back to how's my wife doing. I got to get back to the ministry. I got to get back to the money, fam. I got to get back to mastery. I got to get back to certain things so I can't allow myself to waste mental energy on non-important things. What do you got to get back to? What do you, you don't got time because think about it. Time is your life. It's going to be interesting. I wish that we had spiritual notifications that popped up that pop up that says, hey, man, you spent this much time thinking about this individual. How much time do we spend on thinking about people that ain't even benefiting us, thinking about an ex that no longer, that's no longer there? We're thinking about what's ex versus what's next or versus what's now. We got to say, hey, man, I'm not going to focus my mind on this because my mind, whatever I think on, on my, with my mind consumes my time, which then determines the quality of life I live. 
and the quality of life I give. Man, that's powerful. The quality of life you live will determine the quality of life you give. I got to look at my life and say, what quality of life am I living? Am I living a Christ-centered, fully uh, capable, full of quality, full of essence, full of purpose, full of life? Because the life I live will determine the life I give to my wife. So I want my wife to have the, 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 the premium husband experience. I want her to have the premium package. I don't want her to have the beta package. I don't want her to have the in development package. I want her to have the premium package that when she married me, she's getting the premium quality of husbandhood. She married a premium husband, a premium deal, premium quality. So when someone marries you, will they get premium quality or poor quality? You determine by the life you live right now, will determine the life you give. I want to make sure that when I go into that school, that every child that comes across my path, they get a quality, Mr. Ezzy, high quality, high caliber. It should stun them that they getting it for free. I wanted to be where they get such a high quality individual that they're, they're impacted tremendously because they're like, man, I'm getting this. From this individual, I'm getting love, I'm getting care, I'm getting understanding, I'm getting a listening ear, I'm getting support, I'm getting a father figure, I'm getting all these different things because that's the quality of life I want to live. So what I give, people are going to be like, I'm getting this? So when I minister, the reason why I take time to spend time with God, so I'm, I'm living a holy life, a separated life, I'm engaging all the spirit often so that the ministry that I give is the fruit of the ministry I live. So the level of life, the quality of life you live will determine the quality of life you give. What are you capable of giving? Are you giving premium quality or poor quality? You only you know that answer. Let's keep going. I don't know if I'm going to get through all this. <laughs> uh, next point, the mind renewal process. The mind renewal process is the only process. <clears throat> excuse me, is the only process that can sustain mental maturity, and the willingness to be teachable and humble. Couple with that. The mind renewal process, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind, right? So when my mind is renewed, then I can I can steward new, right? The, the mind renewal process is the only process that can fully sustain mental maturity, emotional maturity. And with that, you have to be willing to be teachable and humble. That will determine the type of life you give. Let's keep going. Now, signs you're emotionally and mentally mature. Here are some signs. I believe that six signs you are emotionally and mentally mature. Number one, you're not easily moved. A sign that you are emotional, emotionally and mentally mature is you're not easily moved by things. You're not easily triggered by things. You have a poise about you. There, there's something mature about you. You're not easily moved. When things come in your life, it don't really move you because you're rooted. If God is immutable, then we shouldn't be movable. Because God is immutable, I should be unmovable. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because my God don't change, I shouldn't change by the weather. Because he's immutable, I should be unmovable. So it doesn't matter what circumstances come in your life. No matter what changes in life, you're not easily moved. 
I don't care what happens to you. I don't care what's going in our world today. I don't watch the news. I can care less about what's going on because I'm focused on what's going on in heaven. I get my orders from heaven. And if I, if I'm still on assignment, there's no need for me to change my climate. There's no need for me to be fearful one day and faithful the next day. Because God's the same, I don't change. And that's important to understand. Because he's immutable, I'm unmovable. What is changing you? What is moving you? Whatever is moving is because you don't under, fully understand what hasn't moved God. God is not moved by nothing that's going on right now. If God's not moving based upon what's going on, then we shouldn't be moved by it either. So those who are rooted in God and anchored in him, no matter what comes their way globally, nationally, regionally, locally, or in your family, or personally, or mentally, or wherever it is, you're not easily moved. That's a sign of mature, uh, mature individuals who are mature emotionally and mentally. Because things are going to come. Things are going to hit you in the face. They're going to try to attack, but you can't be moved by that, right? God is looking for soldiers who are not easely moved. God is looking, God, why would God, why would God uh, 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 give you a wife if you're moved by circumstance as a husband? My wife should look at me as a rock. My wife, no matter what she wants, she got to look at me and be like, my husband ain't moved by that. We had a conversation yesterday. And we're not gonna get, I'm not gonna get, uh, explain it right now, but because I'm not moved by it, she found faith in it. <laughs> when it comes to what we desire in life, because she saw me, I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I always talk faith with her. I ain't moved by now. I done seen God. Why am I gonna be moved by things when I done seen God move for me over and over again so I can stay faithful? I can stay rooted because He done moved for me. So I'm not moved by what I see because He's been done moved for me. So no matter what I am facing, or no matter what you face, because God it doesn't move, and because God has moved on your behalf over and over, then you can you won't allow yourself to be easily moved. So the number one sign or one of the signs that you emotionally and mentally mature is that you're not easily moved by anything. Number two, you're approachable. You're approachable. A person who's mentally, emotionally mature, they are approachable. People can approach them, right? People can approach them. You're peaceful. Like, like, like I want to be approachable because I'm dealing with souls, man. I got to be emotionally and mentally mature so that I can be used by God for God to draw people to me so I can then point them to him and then they can, them two can be all right together. But we have to be approachable. What's your attitude like? Do people like being around you? Can people approach you? Like, 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 like you got to be emotionally and spiritually mature in a marriage. You don't want to be a man where your wife can't approach you with a concern without you being defensive. Defensiveness is proof of insecurities being or something going on unless there's a false accusation. You got to defend your point. You see what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is you got to be approachable as a woman. Can your husband come to you and have a conversation about about what he's facing in life without you hitting him with this and hitting with that or being nagging? Can your children approach you as a as a father? When they think about a problem, when they think about instruction, because a father is one who instructs. A mother is one who nurtures. So as a father, when your child needs instructions or they need guidance, do they feel like they can approach you? Are you even around to be approached? Oh, my goodness. Are you even around to be approached? 
Because if you're not around to be approached, then they don't follow any kind of roach. <clears throat> Ladies, you got to yourself, and my moms, you got to say, am I nurturing? So when my child needs nurturing, they need care, they can approach me. Or am I emotionally all over the place because I got I to think about two or three different baby fathers. I got to think about whether this guy likes me. I got to worry about being a single mom. It don't matter. You signed up for that position when your legs open. You signed up for that position when your legs open. So if your legs open and you birth that child, which every child should be birthed, and you birth that child, that's your responsibility to nurture that child. If you had the responsibility, if you was man enough to go inside that garden to plant seed, you are responsible for instructing that seed. So you got to always be available. Always be available. You got to ask, am I approachable? Am I approachable as a coworker? Am I approachable as a CEO? Am I approachable as a boss? Am I approachable as a manager? Because how can you a uh, 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 minister if you're not approachable? Number two, T. Number three, signs you're emotionally meant to mature. You have positive thinking and talking patterns. You have positive thinking and talking patterns. That's a sign of someone's emotionally mature. If I don't want to live it, then I shouldn't think it or talk it. Because you have what you say. The Bible talks about, Jesus said this out of his mouth. He says, man, we are going to be held accountable for every idle word we say. Jesus had to set the standard. He says, man, words are so valuable because, let me tell you something about God. <clears throat> God is not saying every day sun come up, sunset, moon come up, moon go down, sun come up sun come down, moon come up, moon come down. He not saying, he don't, he, he ain't saying nothing about no sun no more. He ain't saying nothing about no moon no more. He ain't saying nothing about no stars no more. He ain't saying nothing about no grass no more. He ain't saying nothing no more because he's done spoke about that. Everything right now is still being sustained on let there be. And it's still being. That's why he's saying, yo, you got to watch what you're saying. You got to watch what you're thinking. Because if you're made in the image of me and you see what happens when you speak, when I spoke, you got to watch what you speak because <clears throat> you have what you say. You are what you think. You live what you think and talk. So mature people, emotionally and mentally, complete people, they say, man, uh -uh, I ain't going to think that way about myself. I talk to students all the time and I put them through this exercise. I say, how do you, what do you think about yourself scale to one to 10? I had a student say a one. I had another student say a five. I had some other students say a four, some threes. They're, they're, they'll, be, they'll be honest with me, but they'll, you know. And I'm like, you think of yourself as a three? You think of yourself as a five? You think of yourself, we're not talking about beauty, we're talking about as a person. You think of yourself as a one? Do you know how dangerous that is to think of yourself below a 10? I don't care if you got a big forehead like me. I don't care what, I don't care if you, I don't care what you, how God made you. Oh, I tell people all the time, I only have to be handsome to one woman. And she's the only one that I'm going to hand something to. You know what I'm saying? Handsome, the handsome. Like, like that's the, that's the, like that's it. I only have to be handsome to one woman. I don't care about everybody else. People can think I'm ugly all day. But if Brittany Azzy thinks I'm handsome, that's all that matters. 
And if God thinks that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that's all that matters. <clears throat> so I got to change the way I think about myself because I've changed the way I talk about myself because I can care less about what you say in front of people. I care about what you say privately over yourself. Spiritually, I mean, mentally and emotionally mature people, they don't think crazy about themselves. They don't talk crazy about themselves because they know who they are in God. So a sign that you're emotionally mentally mature, you have positive thinking and talking patterns, patterns. See, the sin is not in the thought. Thoughts are going to come. Thoughts are going to come from, from the devil's thoughts going to come from the divine. Sometimes thoughts spring from deep within. But the thought is not the sin. It's what we choose to think on that becomes the sin. It becomes what's out of order. Right. So so if if, if whatever thought comes in thinking of like I always get this analogy, thought is the seed. The thought is a seed. The thought seeds are casted everywhere, constantly. Seeds are tossed. But if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to be the farmer and the gardener, and you're not responsible enough to be a good gardener and help and support, seeds are always tossed through social media. Seeds are always tossed through the television screen. Seeds are always tossed through parents. Seeds are tossed through your friends. Parents throwing seeds out there talking about you no good, or they want you to be super good at things so they can live vicariously through your life. They're always casting seed. So thoughts are always hitting the garden of your soul. But you determine what you hold, right? And then thinking becomes the rain and the sunlight to that thought. So when you think on that thought over and over and over and over again, you're giving that thought life. And then when it grows, it starts developing branches and roots, which are thought patterns. So thought patterns and roots will determine how long you're whole held. Thought patterns and branches will determine how long you hold fruit. So if you got poor thought patterns, you have weak branches. If you have poor thought, thought patterns, right, then you have weak roots. So no matter what comes by, that thing becomes uprooted or it develops strong roots as a stronghold holding you back from what you're supposed to be strong over. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You, signs you're emotionally, uh, mentally mature, you're very understanding, very understanding about uh, yourself, very understanding about others, especially those that are, are have to deal with you and you have to deal with, right? You're very understanding, patient, you're empathetic. Like with kids in my school, man, some teachers may have a hard time, but I don't because I understand. Certain kids I see, man, I got I to gotta be in that kid's. I got to help that kid because I was that kid in that same hallway, right? Like, I, I can't help but become a father figure. I'm a father figure before I even have my own kids. That's just life. But I have to be understanding. I can't just be yelling and chirping and y'all barking at them. I got to say, okay, where did where is this behavior coming from? Where is these thought patterns coming from? And understanding helps me to help them stand under the problems they're going through or Another sign of being emotionally and mentally mature, you're resilient and responsible. You're resilient and responsible. People are emotionally mentally mature, they're resilient. They can, they can stand a long time. They can endure anything. They can endure a lot of things. Or their resiliency comes from the one that's guiding them through the thing, right? And they're responsible. They're responsible as a husband, responsible uh, with the emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, financial needs of a wife. I have to be responsible for those needs of my wife. I'm responsible. 
I'm the one that pursued her back when she came to my Bible study. And I, you know, I dropped that message. You know, that message was what it was. You know what I'm saying? The anointing was strong. Yokes have been destroyed. Demons was cast out. We raised about four people from the dead, metaphorically, right? Spiritually. No one physically came from the dead that day. But, you know, it's it's, it's going to happen one day, right? And so she comes in. I'm about to give her a book. You know what I'm saying? I was she, I'm about to give her the book. And she denied. The, she, she took the book but denied the phone number. I was asking for the phone number. I said, if I give her the book first, maybe I get them digits later. You know what I'm saying? And she didn't give me the number, but I didn't let that stop me because I was resilient. And because of my resiliency was in the resiliencies of Christ, I kept pursuing her. And when I kept pursuing her and then I put a ring on it and then I brought her into where I live, I am responsible. I shouldn't have pursued it if I was willing to be responsible of it. And that's what a man got to think. You just can't pursue a woman if you ain't willing to be responsible. As a husband, you got to be responsible for where she is mentally, responsible for where she is emotionally. That's why I can't get mad. The wife multiplies. Whatever I give, she gives back. You heard it said many times, I give her a house, she gives me a home. I give her sperm, she gives me a child. I give her a, a joy, she gives me peace. If I give her pain, she gives me problems. No matter what, if I give it, I receive it, especially if she's rooted in God. So it is my responsibility to make sure I always have peace. <laughs> so if I want peace in my life, I got to make sure there's peace in my wife and vice versa. She has to be responsible to take care of the needs of a man based upon her role as a woman. I can't just, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna get her pregnant if I ain't ready. I'm, I'm ready now, but I'm saying, I'm not gonna be out there willy-nilly out there before we got married if I'm not willing, uh, while married, if we're not in a position to make sure that we have a functional home for the bring kids in. People just be bringing kids in dysfunction, causing them to become dysfunctional, and they have to overcome your wounds that you have yet to be healed from. So you have to be resilient and responsible. E, Signs you're emotionally and mentally mature. You're, you are aware that you don't know everything, but look for every opportunity to grow. You are completely aware that you do not know everything. So that you stay, that means you stay teachable. That means you stay a student. But look for every opportunity to grow. That's what you, mentally mature people know they have never, they have not arrived, and they will never arrive until they arrive past those pearly gates. So emotionally and spiritually, emotionally and mentally mature individuals are people who are not easily moved. They are approachable. They have positive and thinking and talking patterns. They are very understanding. They're resilient and responsible, and they are aware they don't know anything, but they look for every opportunity to grow. Let's go to the next slide. Spiritual completeness or spiritual maturity. Man, let's keep going. Spiritual maturity is having the evidence of the eagerness an effort to become more like Christ every day. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is having the evidence. I have evidence in my life that not only am I eager about being more like him, but I have effort to be like him every day. Every day, we have to look for ways. We have to look for ways to be more like Christ. See, that's why I tell people you got to read a gospel a month to see how Jesus moved. That's a scripture in the Bible that says Jesus didn't entrust himself with everyone because he knew the hearts of everyone. Jesus knew when to speak and when not to speak. When the woman was thrown at his feet who was caught in adultery, the smell of sex was in the air. She got caught in the act of adultery. Busted through the room, grabbed her off the man, drug her to the feet of Jesus and said, teacher, what shall we do with this woman? For the, for the, for the word says that we should do this. Jesus full of poise 
did not aggressively, did not immediately say anything, but knelt down and began to write in the dirt. Now, we don't know what he wrote, but if he was petty like me, he probably started writing the sins of everyone that was there. Now, I'm just joking. I don't know nothing for sure. But if I was me, I because if, if I don't think Jesus was petty, but if he was petty like me, I would have wrote their sins. Even in the midst of the sex in the air, even in the midst of the sin, even in the midst of the of the of the vileness and the and the anger that's pulling that was coming down the veins of those Pharisees. He didn't say a word immediately. And then when he stood up, he said, he or she without sin cast the first stone. And immediately you heard stones hit the ground. No matter what the law said. But because he was the fulfillment of it, he was above it. And he knelt down by that woman. He says, where are your accusers? Now go sin no more. When we study how Jesus moved and we can move like him and be gentle with people and be uh, and be uh, um, strategic. He says, be gentle like a dove, but <clears throat> sharp as a serpent or or what's the word? Uh, be gentle as a dove, but witty as a serpent. Right. Right. So we got to be able to be more like him. And that's what spiritual maturity is. I want to walk as if I, I want my wife to be like you are the most Christ like person I know. I want the kids in my school to be like, Mr. Ezzy is the most Christ-like. He is almost like Jesus walking amongst us. That's what we got to do. That I want to be completed by Jesus. I want to be more like him. So no matter where I am, people can say, hey, hey, I think I see Jesus. Why? Thank you. Thank you, Lanita. Wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Yes, yes, that's it. Wise as a serpent and gentle. Thank you for having me preach on that. I want, you want to be, when your children are watching, they're seeing Jesus in the flesh. When I want, I want my wife to say, he is close to Jesus I know. Right? I want them to be like, that's Jesus right there. Living boldly through him. There has to be an eagerness though. There has to be an effort though. And there must be evidence every day. Thank you for the scripture. Matthew 10, 16. Thank you so much. Next point, you cannot have spiritual maturity or completeness without spiritual growth and a spiritual awakening. It's formulas. It's a process. I have to first become spiritually awakened. You can't, you can't, listen, if you have no remorse for your sins, if you don't have no pull away from your sins, if you don't have a distaste for your sin, then there's probably no salvation within there has to be a spiritual awakening, an awakening of the goodness of God. See, people think that salvation happened the moment that a person became aware of their need. Some people think that salvation begins the moment somebody walked down the altar. People think that salvation began when there's confession of sin for there to be salvation. No, salvation begins from the pursuer. The Holy Spirit was probably toiling at that person for weeks and months and years. Right? That's why the Bible says some plants, some water, but God gets the increase. The Holy Spirit's salvation saving work has been working way before the person became awakened to it. 
And so the awakening happens when the Holy Spirit has compiled enough evidence of the goodness of God, the weight at a certain weight that will compel a person to say, I am no good, but God is forever, has been forever good for me. I am a wretched, unsaved man. I need you, God. I can believe that you're this good to me. I need you to save me. And it was in his at that moment where you begin to feel your sin for what they really are in comparison to the uh, the unbountiful the bountifulness of God's goodness which then sparks an awakening that says I need a savior oh man I am destroying my marriage I am hurting my children I am a poor citizen I am selfishly ambitious I am a wretch undone complete me I need a savior and then that's when the spirit of God commences his sealing and then cooperation sanctification brings the filling and then the anointing of presence to the ceiling no matter what room you walk in that's what it is starts with a spiritual awakening i am awakened to the fact that i am a sinner that there's no good in me even my good is contaminated with evil and i need a savior who is out there that can save me who are you and then he, when you ask for him to show himself up, the Holy Spirit would then begin to give you the full imagery of Jesus and who he is. And then you welcome him into your life and then you want to live like him. So spiritual awakening leads to spiritual growth. Now you have something to grow for. There's always room to improve as a Christian. Always room to improve. I always got room to grow in. I can always grow in greater peace, greater patience, greater love. Those are big categories. Nobody is perfect in the love category. Not everybody's perfect in the joy category. See, but we can be mature in those categories and continue to mature in greater levels in those categories. So spiritual awakening leads to spiritual growth, which then leads to spiritual maturity and sustaining it. This is a good word. Next point. Spiritual maturity is an ongoing process. It is the reordering of one's priorities, perspectives, and patterns or practices. I'm never, I, I have not arrived. That's why you never feel from my videos that I'm above you. Mm. That's why when you engage in my ministry, you may sense a greater level of anointing. You may sense, oh, that man's spiritually mature, but you'll never feel from me that I'm better than you. Because I have the mindset that I'm, why am I focused on who I am to you? I'm focused on who I am to God, which keeps me growing. Because if I keep focusing on who I am to you, then it will start coming through my messages saying that I'm greater than you. Be like me. Be No, we are in the same boat. I may be in the front with the first paddle, but I got we paddling this thing together to meet him on the other side. Hey, ooh, that's a word. Spiritual maturity is an ongoing process. It never ends. It is the reordering. The Holy Spirit comes in to reorder. The Holy Spirit comes to reorder. He not he not he not pulling up to the no no no. He's not the reorder doesn't mean he pulling up to the the uh the drive through to reorder what he had yesterday. No, it's the complete reordering and restructuring to get it back to the original order, the original owner. He wants to get us back to the original order, what it was supposed to be like in Eden. From the mindset or from the mind or from the creation of the original owner <clears throat> or the current, the original, the, the owner, owner, right? It's an ongoing process, the reordering of one's priorities. When you get saved, God's number one. 
God's number one. Spiritual immature is when you put God number 43. You putting God at Weber State when he's supposed to be Kentucky or Duke or Carolina. You got him as, as the Timberwolves when he's supposed to be the Lakers or the Brooklyn Nets. We got him at number 15 when he number one. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is God's number one. Period to me. He has to be number one to you. Because it's from him that anything can be anything. So God has to be number one to me in order for, me, for my marriage to be top tier. In order for my businesses to be top tier. In order for my ministry to be top tier. He got to be number one. What do you have for me today, God? It's the reordering of my priorities. Now it's God, then it's me, then it's my wife, then it will be my children, then it will be everybody else that falls in there based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and depending on circumstances and situations. He reorders the priorities. He also reorders our perspectives. He reorders the way we think. He changed the way we think about manhood. He changed the way we think about womanhood. He changed the way we think about marriagehood, marriage, right? He changed the way we think about uh, people in, in the opposite sex and those things like that. He changes it. If we allow it, spiritual maturity is an ongoing process. It is the reordering of one's priorities, perspectives, and patterns. If my priorities change, my perspectives change. If my perspectives change, my practices change. Let's keep going. I ain't even, man. I, I'm going about an hour and I ain't really got to what I need to get to. Now, signs you're spiritually mature or complete or healthy. Number one, you move with God. You're not easily moved. You move when God moves. If God wants to stop by the lake, you stop with him. If God walks, you walk. If God jogs, you jog. If God, God don't run. But if God runs, you run. In other words, if God says move slow, you move slow. If God says pick up the pace, you pick up the pace. If God says, hey, man, let's get to it, you get to it. Spiritually mature people move when God says move. Moving when God says, did I tell you that's your man? Are you with a man right now that God didn't move you towards or moved him towards you? Are you with a woman and you pursue her and you ain't gotten up from headquarters? We spiritually mature people move when God says move. I, I, God is my everything. God's the center of everything in my life. I move when he says move. Me and my wife dated for five years. We wanted to be married way before that. But God, this God said it may have been appropriate for you to move to pursue her, but it's not the appropriate time for you to move in marriage. We are too quick to move. That's why we're, 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 we, we are where we are. Spiritual mature people says, I, it sounds good, but I ain't heard the sound coming from heaven yet. Mm. Got to cut the fan on. Spiritual mature people move when God says move. I don't move until he says move or I sense that he's moving. You move with God and are moved by his set core principles and you are not and you are also slow to move. Now what does that mean? Number 1, I only move when God say move, fam. I'm sorry. You cute but you're not cute enough. You're handsome but you're not handsome enough. Great idea. You got to be in a position where you just if someone came to you with 10 million dollars and God says turn it down, will you? Would you? 
If someone came with a promotion that says you'll be making six to seven figures, start on Monday, and God says no, could you turn it down? No matter what a man, it doesn't matter what a man can offer you. It will never be greater than what God offers you. Because even if it, <clears throat> make it plain, <clears throat> even if it's worth more, quote unquote, dollar amounts, more than what God says. It happened to me at my first job, my uh, first school job. I got offered two jobs at the same time. Crazy, huh? I got offered a job at, uh, uh, at one school offering part-time. I got offered another job at a school that offered full-time, full benefits. And this at a time in 2016 when I'm about to propose to my wife, right? Yeah, well, I'm about to I was, we, we was about to take this thing seriously, right? The natural man will say, fam, as a man, as a husband, take the job that's full-time, full benefits. No, God said, take the job part-time, no benefits. I took the right job. Come to find out the other schools was dysfunctional. <clears throat> it wouldn't have produced the Propel mentoring program. It wouldn't have put me in a position to reach the kids that I would reach. And it wouldn't put me in a position to be at the school I'm at now. Just because man can offer more than God, what God offers, that man or woman of promotion cannot offer. Where God, or what, no matter what God offers, it comes with peace. <laughs> it comes with sustainability. It comes with joy. It comes with safety, most importantly. You are moved by set core of principles. Uh, man, I missed, let's try, lost track of my thought. But anyway, you have, once you move with God, you have set core principles you move by. You understand, hey man, I'm not sleeping with you until we marry. I'm sorry, that's off the table. And since you even brought that proposition before me, there's the exit door. I got God principles in me. When it comes to money, <clears throat> here are my principles. When it comes to my time, here are my principles. When it comes to my body, here are my principles. And these principles come from the word of God. So I'm moved by set core principles to determine what I am governed over. And also, I'm slow to move. Slow to move, that means I'm discerning. I discern things. I take time to observe them. When someone offers you something, say, I got to go pray about it. I don't care. I don't care. And the more urgent they are, the more urgent they are, the more it's probably not for you. The more understanding they are, chances are it's for you. The Holy Spirit goes for you, make crooked paths straight. Holy Spirit will tell that employer, take your time. But if you feel urgency, then it's not for you, my friend. Hey, signs that your spiritual mature complete. You are aware of the needs of others and are actively led on how to meet their needs. You are aware, you spiritually mature, you become more aware of others than you are yourself. You know what I'm saying? You, that doesn't mean you think of yourself, you don't think of yourself all, you think of yourself less. You don't think of yourself as much as you once did. And are actively led, actively led, actively led. Just because spiritual, they're spiritually immature people who are aware of the needs of others, but are spiritually immature when it comes to being led by the spirit on how to help that individual. And so many people are uh, <clears throat> drained because they pour in too much into things. So you have to be actively led on how to meet other people's needs. T, you're always thankful and your joy tank is never on E. Signs you're spiritually mature or complete, you're always thankful. Appreciative. You're just, you're just thankful, man. And your joy takes never on you because the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
The reason why many of us are weak right now because our joy is in our money. Our joy is in our purpose, but our joy is not in God. Because things change, but God doesn't. Let's keep going for time's sake. You, forgiveness is urgent to you, and old and common urges are not urgent to you. That's powerful. Let's talk about that. Forgiveness is urgent. I got to forgive. <laughs> Spiritual mature people says, you offend me, I forgive you, fam. I don't, got, I don't got time to be harboring unforgiveness for a long time. I let you go, fam. I don't care what you do. I got to forgive you because God's forgiven me over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You know what I mean? God has eternally forgiven my slate clean. And in our relationship, he forgives me. Right? There's two levels of, of forgiveness when it comes to God. You are eternally forgiven. That means hell is not an option for you. If those who are who are truly converted by God, he is forgiving your penalty of sin. Right now, he forgives our relational sins. Like, like <clears throat> I can sit there and be like, but babe, you forgave me. I can talk to my wife. Haven't you forgiven me ultimately? But if I'm poor relationally, I got to ask for forgiveness. The same as with God. God, that's just a good practice. It's not like God needs, God's like, can't believe you did that to me. That's not God. That's what I'm saying. Let's think spiritual. God is saying, like, you've been mean to me, and I'm not going to talk to you until you forgive me. That's not God. God is saying, you coming to me, forgiveness, helps you in your relationship with me. You don't have nothing to do with me. But it's a benefit that you understand that every day I can say, God, forgive me for that. That's That, that builds a stronger relational bond, right? It's not like God over here, like, I ain't gonna talk to you to you. No, 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 it is. But forgiveness is urgent because you know, forgive unforgiveness is one of the top things that gets in the way of our way. So, forgiveness for the spiritually mature is urgent. And next point, and old and common urges are not urgent to you anymore. So, if you had urges <clears throat> back in the day, sexually, lustfully, urges um, regarding certain foods or whatever, you have urges, right? But spiritually mature doesn't allow those urges to be urgent. They're not urgent no more. You're grown away from that. Now you, when you look at a woman, you don't even have no sexual urges. You're not easily aroused. You're not easily uh, a distracted. You have to be spiritually mature. You see how all how they connect? I have to be spiritually mature. I have to allow the Holy Spirit to destroy certain urges. No matter what comes across my screen, no matter what comes across my eyes, I'm not easily triggered sexually and then put my wife at a at a disadvantage or put my wife in a bad situation, a bad spot emotionally, right? So I have to allow God to, to remove those urges as I mature because I see these urges are not urgent. They're lying. So I have to receive urgent care. To get rid of my urges, right? Let's keep going. Or you're responsible and ready to obey. You're responsible. We talked about responsible earlier. You're responsible. God, God looks, man. Listen, God is looking for who's uh, uh who's uh, accessible before he looks at who's able. Accessible. That means you're there and you able. You're able to do it, but you also accessible. That's a lot of people who got great ability. God, God could have been you, Saul, but he said, I got someone with a slingshot that's better than David because he's available to me. And you're ready to obey. E, you engage with everyone peaceably. Signs that you're spiritually mature, you're peaceful with everybody, even your haters, fam. You just live a peaceable life. Let's keep going. Physical completeness, then we're done. Physical completeness is developing a vessel. Physical wholeness, physical completeness, physical, physical maturity is developing a vessel able to fulfill the vision God has for it. That's physical maturity. I have to be physically mature. I have to be self-controlled physically, bodily, biologically, right? I have to be physically uh, 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 able, right? 
Next question. Is your body able to hold the weight of your purpose? <clears throat> That's a question. Am I physically fit enough for the purpose? Or am I or am I? always addicted am i see that's why you got to be very careful you you have to understand that you are a spirit you have a soul you live in a body right you're a three-part being right all right and you have to look at yourself and ask yourself man am i uh uh physically how are my how is my mind my emotions and my spirit man affecting the vessel is my vessel fragile, diseased? Is it is it addicted? Is it is it easily attached? Right. I got to make sure that I'm physically mature. That I don't have um, um, certain things fighting for a uh, 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 bio biological and body uh, use. Because it doesn't matter how great the vision. If you die early, whatever you have yet to release, you're gonna be held accountable for that, fam. Right? You're going to be held accountable for what you did in the body that was left in your body. It is what it is. God has placed things inside of you for you to be responsible for your body. So you can be responsible for your vessel so that it can see its full duration, so that it can be so that it can be positioned to fully deposit out of it everything that God deposited in. So you can't allow yourself to be mentally weighed down or emotionally all over the place because it affects your body. It gives you stress. It, it Stress then leads to disease. Disease then leads to crippling. Crippling leads to you in a casket. So physical maturity, physical uh, uh, completeness is developing a vessel able to fulfill the vision God has for it. And I had a question. Is your body able to hold the weight of your purpose? The greater the weight, the stronger the body. And everybody's purpose is great. So you got to make sure your body's great. Next point, what are you what are you eating, drinking, thinking, feeling, believing, etc.? All of these elements affect your, your body's ability. Some people right now weigh more mentally than they do physically. On the scale, it says they weigh 200 pounds. On the scale, it says they weigh 135, but their soul weighs a ton because they haven't rested in what Christ has done. When you know what Christ has done for you and you know, listen, I told her, I told her, a faculty, a staff member of mine, she came in for some counseling and I told her, I said, we're only supposed to focus on the who and the what. We were not meant to carry the when, the where and the how. We're only responsible for the who and the what. All I'm responsible is who I am in him. What am I doing to make sure that I'm a better person? I'm focusing on the who. Who am I? Who is he to me? That's all I'm focusing on the who. And the what. All I'm focusing on is the what. What did he last tell me to do? What does the scripture require me to do today? That's all I need to focus on. That's, that's, what, that's the only thing I can carry. Who I am and what I'm supposed to do. That's it. The when. Thank you, Yvette. The when, the where, and the how, we can't carry. We have to wait on God. God is the only one strong enough to carry the when, the where, and the how. All we got to do is make sure that I am the who, and I utilize the what to make me the who I need to be, so that when it's time I'm ready, wherever it is I can store it, and how the plan comes through, I can fulfill it. Anything else is unnecessary. I can't worry about when 
we're going to move into a house or we have a house number. When we're going to build our house. I can't worry about where the house is. I can't worry about how the house is going to be built. I know he gave me, he's going to give me vineyards. I didn't have to, uh, uh, vineyards. I didn't have to toil in. He's going to give me houses. I didn't have to build. He's going to give me lands. I got name. My name is an inheritance. I'm not worried about the wind, the where and the how, when I know who my God is, all I got to worry about is who I need to be and what I need to do to position me for the when, the where, and the how. If you start worrying about the when, the where, and the how, you're going to distract yourself from the who and from the what, and you won't even be positioned or ready to manage those things. So we have to understand that there's certain things that we can't carry, man. They're too big for us to carry. Let's get let's get to our next slide. It's a good message, man. I, I, I love teaching this, Lord. This is good, man. I'm glad you gave me this. So what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you believing? Because all of these elements and more affects your, your body's ability. Next slide. Now, practices of the physically mature. And I'm done. Practices of the physically mature. Number one, they stay mindful of their purpose and priorities. They stay mindful. Because when you're mindful, you're cautious, you're you're calculated, right? Because when you're mindful of your purpose, then you're mindful of your physique. And then when you're mindful of your purpose, you're also mindful of your priorities. You know that God gets the first fruits. I get some, some fruit after that. And then I become fruitful to my wife and everybody else, right? So... The practice of the physical mature is they are they stay mindful. They know I got to keep my mind on things that are above. I got to keep my mind full of the things of purpose, full of the things that that concerns the things that within my top three or four priorities. And they move, meaning they exercise often and build muscle. These are the practice of the physical. They understand that when I exercise, when I move, and when I lift weights, it produces endorphins. It keeps my body healthy, right? So they stay mindful of their purpose and priorities. And they move or exercise often and build muscle. Number two, they are appreciative. They are appreciative. They are, they are just, they're just appreciative of life. That's what keeps you light because you're appreciative of life. You're just appreciative. You're light. You're, you're happy. You go blessing. You know, you say go lucky, you go lucky. I'm go blessing, man. I'm, I'm chilling, man. Thank you. Thank you for that compliment. Thank you for the for the biscuit. I'm appreciative, right? They're appreciative, and it, and, and it keeps them light. It keeps them fluffy. It keeps them marshmallowy, right? Next point, T. They are careful of what they think and talk about and of what they taste. See, right now, I am bougie with my taste buds. <clears throat> I am bougie with my taste buds, man. My wife don't like going grocery shopping with me because I'm looking at every ingredient. I got a bougie taste. Man, listen. I know they messing with the stuff out here. So there's there's a lady who provides snacks at my at our job, right? And me, my wife, the only woman my wife has to worry about. <laughs> the only one, <laughs> the only woman my wife has to worry about is Miss Debbie. I don't like calling little Debbie because sounds sounds like a pedophile. But Miss Debbie, the only one is Miss Debbie. Them Debbie cakes. That's the only woman she got to worry about is Miss Debbie. Little Debbie, Miss Debbie, whoever. I hope she ain't a child. Miss De- Little Debbie ain't a child, is she? 
anyway, Debbie. We just call her because little Debbie grown up. She 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 missed Debbie now. Cougar Debbie, if you want to, if you will. Huh? So when it comes to Miss Debbie, man, I, I, for me, a weakness for me, she has a, she gets honey buns too. I ain't touched that one honey bun since I worked there. I'm delivered, right? But them Swiss rolls, man. Them oatmeal cream pies, man. It brought back memories when I was a kid. See, when I was a kid, I could only get one. You know, I used to go in a car seat, man, look for quarters, little 50 cents, man. I used to go to the store, man. I want a slap, 27 cents on the table, and say, I'm buying this oatmeal cream pie. But when you got an abundance of oatmeal cream pies and Swiss rolls, bruh, I ain't touched the oatmeal cream pie or Swiss roll in weeks. Why? Because when I tasted it, my childhood came to the forefront. I said, let me taste and see if it's still good. And I opened that little Swiss roll and I tasted it. It's something different in the Swiss roll. It don't taste the same. Could it be that they changed the chemicals possibly? Or could it be that my taste buds just matured? Right? So I, I am very careful on what, yeah, God's girl says, well, I look at every ingredient. I do too. If it if it's if it's more than five, if it's more than five or seven ingredients, and if I can't make sense of what the ingredients is and and, and it looks like it's spelt in tongues or Hebrew or another language, then I'll be like, man, look, man, I ain't eating that, right? But my stomach, my stomach rattling right now. My man, my stomach disagrees. <laughs> anyway, they are careful of what they think about because thinking, I gotta look at ooh. I got to look at the ingredients of every thought. Every thought that comes through my mind, I got to turn it to the back because we get so distracted by the marketing of the front. We keep looking at it's made of natural, uh, natural, whatever, artificial ingredient, natural ingredient. Whatever. We get so caught up on, oh, it looks good. It looks amazing. Turn that thing to the back. What are the ingredients of this thought? Before I think and I'm reading the ingredients and then I line it up with the word of God, say, does the ingredients match? And if it don't match, I don't latch. Everything that comes out of my mouth, before it comes out of my mouth, I grab that thing and I look at the bank and say, what's the ingredients of this thought, this, this talk, this words that I'm speaking? Do I want what I'm saying? So when I wake up and I say it's going to be a bad day because of whatever, whatever, I have what I say. Or should I, before I say it, let me read the ingredients. That's why I got to write affirmation. Create your own, ooh, create your own talkative dishes. Create them. So, okay, I, if I want to live this life, then I'm going to talk this way so you then write your own ingredients in regards to your affirmations. And then you start affirming to yourself, right? The things you want from yourself. So every thought before you think it, read the ingredients. Everything before you say, read the ingredients. Because you have what you eat. You have what you think. You have what you say. So people are physically fit and are able to carry. They are careful of what they think about and talk about and of what they taste. You, they live unbothered. Hey man, you good, fam? Nah, that's on. Nah, you good? You good? I'm bothered. Nah, you good, man? I totally understood where you come from. Don't even worry. I ain't even mad at you. They live unbothered, or they rest often. Mm. You have to have a regimented plan for rest. The Bible says, <clears throat> "Sabbath man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man." So Sabbath was created, or rest was created 
for man, he said six days you can work, but man, find a day to rest. If you don't take a, if you don't Sabbath often, you're going to be for, you're going to be forced to Sabbath more than you want to. If I don't make a habit of resting every week, if I don't make it a habit to rest, even in the middle of a day, if I don't make a habit to rest, right. Then things will not be right. And then you're going to end up in the hospital. You're going to have to Sabbath for 18 days in a row. You may have to Sabbath for two weeks in a row. You may have to Sabbath. And then that, that, that unnecessary days compiled together starts affecting your money, starts affecting your mind. So people are physically mature. They rest often. <laughs> your vet Kelly said that old Cooper, that old Cooper Debbie. I'm telling that old Cougar, that old Cougar Debbie, utilizing the, my, the fragility of my childhood. You know what I'm saying? They rest off the E. They protect their energy. They protect their energy and distribute it wisely. Physically fit people, mature people, physically mature people that understand how everything affects the body. And in order for me to fulfill the vision that God has me, I have to make sure that God is riding in a Rolls Royce. I want my body to be like a Rolls Royce. I want my body to be like a Bentley. All the, like y'all, the young people, I want my body to be a Hellcat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you want your body to be a Hellcat, be, let your body be a Hellcat. Whatever body kit you want, make sure the body fit. But they protect their energy. I just can't allow people to take my energy because energy determines my uh, uh, my execution. And I learned how to distribute wisely. So practice of the physical maturity, they stay mindful of their purpose priorities and they move, exercise, and build muscle. They are appreciative. They are careful what they think, talk, and what they taste. They live unbothered. They rest often. And they protect their energy and distribute it wisely. I pray this message was a blessing to you. You got a lot out of it. Make sure you download the worksheet. There's a worksheet that uh, if you go to my website or if you go to lifeword.teachable.com, the link should be in the description box below. If you're watching on Facebook, make sure you go to my website, iamunplugged.com. Go, go to the course tab and register for the life, uh, the, the wholeness journey course. And there you'll find uh, the worksheet there. And the link should be in the comment section description box below. Also, make sure you go ahead and get the book. The Wholeness Journal, which will help you. We're going to uh, help you on this wholeness journey. And the things we talked about, you have worksheets and articles and a, uh, a year-long wholeness accountability journal. There we go. I'm back. Um, so I am unplugged.com. Also get your merch. Make sure you get your merch as well to make sure um, my internet stalling. Make sure you get the merch as well. Um, and um, I think that's it. Other books like The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? This will spark this second phase. The, the Wholeness Journal is for all people. It's not just for singles. Um, but The Purpose of Singleness is a book that you can get to kind of better understand that. And also register for The Purpose of Singleness course. Also get the Dating Prep book, How to Learn How to Date God, Date Yourself and Become Dateable, so that you can date the love of your life forever. A great resource for you and your significant other to go through, so you can develop the strategies and systems you need for your relationship. Also, if you're struggling with soul ties or strongholds, the book, The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties or Uproot Strongholds, available now. It talks about how to do that. The book that I released last year is called Counterfeit or Counterpart. This book is probably one of my <clears throat> favorite books that God ever had me create. Because it talks about how to continue to discern the will of God in every area of your life. A counterfeit is anything you try to force fit in your life. A counterpart is a play, is a thing or a person that plays a major part in God's will for your life. So all those books and card games are available on my website, iamunplugged.com. We also got card games like Dating Prep, 
Uh, well, I got I'll do better graphics on that. But also check out me and my wife's uh vlog channel, the Ezzy Life. We vlogging more often now. And I think that's it. Also, if you feel led to give, you feel compelled, and you feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to give, you can also give on my website <coughs> as well. Links in the description box below. Your uh, donation support really helps us create more materials and help us reach our students through our Propel Mentoring Program, which you can learn more on my website. Let's see who else. This is good. So good. Rest is essential. That's right, Yvette Kelly. The quality of life you live will determine the quality of life you give. Thank you, Jordan. Um, Yes, yes. My wife putting her hands up. That's good. My baby was watching because uh, I'm glad y'all got something out of it. Um, share this with somebody because I pray everything that we said today is going to help everybody. Uh, 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 yo, Soy, Nikki says, thank you, Coach Josh, for, for reminding us to examine the ingredients of every thought. We are what we speak. That's right. Amen. We have to always, because, you know, some products may have been healthy at one point, and then the enemy starts sliding, not in, but companies start sliding ingredients over time to make their products have longer shelf life, right? right? So that's why the Bible says our daily bread. We shouldn't get artificial bread with artificial ingredients because they have longer shelf life. We get those. We got to get things that expire soon so we can get right to the next daily bread because what's sufficient for us is what's sufficient for us. This word was good. Thank you. So welcome. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Thank y'all so much for watching and uh, we'll see y'all next week and um, y'all be blessed. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.